When speaking about athletics, Haiti is often forgotten and left out of the conversation. Stories and news about the country are usually dominated by the negative aspects such as struggles the country is either facing now or has gone through in the past. Many know Haiti as the first black republic in the world after the Haitian Revolution ended in 1804. Few are familiar though with the almost 20-year occupation from 1915 to 1934 by the United States. And even fewer are familiar with one of the most outspoken activists and ambassadors for the nation, Silvio Cator. My name is Anderson for Track and Field Black History, and today we'll tell the story of Silvio Cator from Haiti, who, while his country was under occupation by the United States, won Haiti's first and to this day only medal in track and field, became the greatest long jumper in the world, and was a pivotal figure towards Haitian freedom from the United States. In the early 1900s, there were only a few black athletes who had the opportunity to compete in track and field at the Olympic Games. The only country on the entire continent of Africa that competed was South Africa, though it was a majority of white South African athletes. The lone black nation to compete in the early Olympics was Haiti, making its first appearance at the Games in 1900 with three athletes, two of whom were actually white, and the other, Constantin Henriquez, who competed as part of a mixed rugby team along with French and American athletes. Shortly after those games, on October 19, 1900, Silvio Cator was born in Cavalon, Haiti, and in a few short decades, would become the country's greatest athlete. In his early years though, there was a significant amount of instability in Haiti, which would both hinder as well as play a major impact on Cator's path to athletic greatness. In 1911, when Cator was just 10 years old, Haiti's president, Francios Antoine Simon, was ousted from power by an opposition group and forced to flee the country. Simon, along with many of his allies, were forced to exile in Jamaica. Cator's father, General Joseph Milan Cator, just so happened to be a friend of the president and so fled to Jamaica as well, bringing his whole family with him. From age 10 to 19, Cator grew up in Jamaica and quickly got into various sports, including soccer, tennis, and track and field. He specifically developed a love for the jumps and felt that he could one day become an amazing athlete. While in Jamaica in 1915, the United States invaded his home country of Haiti, and the USA justified its invasion with excuses that were flat out racist. Though they claimed that it was an intervention into Haiti's troubled politics, stating that the country was so poor and unstable that if the USA didn't take over, some other power would, that was far from the only reason. The US Secretary of State at the time, Robert Lansing, called the invasion a civilizing mission to end the anarchy, savagery, and oppression in Haiti. Going on to say that, quote, the African race is devoid of any capacity for political organization. It's important to note that though Cator was in Jamaica, Jamaica itself was a colony of the British Empire at the time. Four years later, Cator and his family would return to Haiti, still under US occupation in 1919. Holding on to the sports that he grew up loving in Jamaica, he quickly jumped into them here as well, joining clubs and becoming not only one of the best soccer athletes in the country, but also setting national records on the track in the high jump and long jump as well. As the US would remain in Haiti for almost 20 years, Cator was a strong opponent of the US occupation, not only for the blatantly selfish and racist and wrong reasons that they first came for, but also because he saw them as a hindrance to the development of Haitian athletics. The US Marines had actually tried to import baseball into Haiti, but as almost a form of national protest, many Haitians refused to play. In 1921, 
The Union of Haitian Sports Societies was formed to begin preparing athletes to compete as part of Haiti's first official Olympic team. This union was not supported in any capacity by the U.S. Marines occupying the country, and they even tried to dismantle the program altogether. Though thankfully, the program was kept intact and Haitian athletes were able to prepare for the Olympics, though through events organized around the island, in many cases by the U.S. Marines. As the 1924 Olympics approached, a 23-year-old Silvio Cator was prepared to compete in both the long jump and high jump, along with 11 other athletes from Haiti, seven of which were competing in the shooting events, and four of whom, including Cator, would be competing in track and field. Though Cator grew up playing sports in Jamaica and furthered his talent in Haiti, protesting the U.S. occupation, when the Haitian athletes set off for the 1924 Paris Olympics, the United States took credit, claiming it was a testament to the U.S. empire that they could even compete. As the early Olympics were dominated by the United States and European nations, by 1924, many countries began to participate and many in the media, especially from the United States, started to characterize the games as a quote, invasion of foreign athletes. Cator obviously saw the hypocrisy as his home nation of Haiti had literally been invaded by the United States. At these 1924 games though, Cator finished 15th in the high jump and 12th in the long jump, unfortunately failing to advance into the final of either event. Despite not having the performances that he wanted, Cator was still dedicated to athletics and looked forward to future competitions. He actually remained in France for some time as opposed to returning immediately to Haiti, choosing to train with a French club and in 1925, just a year after the Olympics, Cator competed in multiple meets across Europe and actually went undefeated in 10 consecutive long jump competitions. As Cator continued to make a name for himself as a black athlete from the US occupied Haiti, competing and beating out top European competition, the world took note, especially in the United States. Many in the black American community were outraged at the US occupation of Haiti, which was seen as a clear extension of racism in the United States. Many saw Cator as a success story despite the opposition and oppression that he faced in his own country. In the lead up to the 1928 Olympics, Cator was now one of the best athletes in the world, had gained the respect of many in track and field, and was seen as a strong contender to win an Olympic medal. At the 1928 Olympics in Amsterdam, Netherlands, Cator was joined by just one other Haitian athlete this time, Andre Thiard, who would be competing in the 100 and 200 meters, while Cator was only in the long jump. In that long jump competition on July 31st, 1928, Cator solidified himself in athletics history. After American Ed Ham took the lead with a jump of 7.73 meters in round two, Cator quickly followed up with a jump of his own at 7.50 meters for second place. He would improve later to 7.58 meters in round three, which would be his farthest jump of the competition. And though he would be unable to match Ham, no one else surpassed Cator. This performance earned Cator a silver medal in the long jump and made him the first Haitian athlete to win an Olympic medal in track and field an unprecedented feat that still holds through to this day as no other Haitian athlete has ever won a medal in the sport. Just a short month after winning the Olympic silver though, Cator would put down an arguably even more impressive performance. At a meeting in Paris, France, Cator jumped a world record of 7.93 meters in the long jump, 26 feet one quarter of an inch. Not only was this a world record, it was also the first time in history any person had ever surpassed 26 feet in the long jump. Surprisingly, Ed Ham, who had won the long jump gold a few weeks prior at the Olympics, held the world record that Couture had now just broken. 
So in the span of just a few weeks, Kator, living under US occupation and oppression in Haiti, won his country's first Olympic medal in track and field and was now the greatest long jumper to ever live. Kator's world record would stand for over three years until it was finally broken in 1931. Kator would go on to compete at the Olympics one final time in 1932. Already 31 years old at this point, he was unable to match the performances of the younger athletes, finishing just ninth place in the long jump. More importantly, in 1932, was that the Olympics were held in Los Angeles, California. And again, Haiti was still under US occupation. During that time, Kator had taken on the role of not only being an athlete, but also an activist and ambassador of sorts for Haiti. By 1930, Haiti, now under US occupation for 15 years, was beginning to see the light towards potential liberation. The first elections in Haiti were held that year and many anti-occupation activists were voted into parliament. By 1932, Kator was a key figure in the country's political future as he was a local correspondent for the United Press and a key source for the Associated Negro Press in the United States. He was also president of the Haitian Sports Federation, leading the team to the Olympic Games in the United States. While traveling to the Olympics in Los Angeles, Kator utilized his platform as a world-class, well-known athlete to shed light on the injustices that his people faced back home in Haiti. He built strong relationships with Black Americans to connect the racism and oppression that Black people faced in the USA with what was going on in his home country. And just like Black people in America, Haitians were put in a negative light by the public. Kator had one day went to a meeting at the United Press offices and a reporter said, quote, I expected him to come with a bunch of voodoo feathers in his hand, a sacrificial goat over his shoulder, and chanting mumbo jumbo business. Despite that, Kator was relentless in his push for independence from the US occupation, engaging in various interviews and conferences throughout 1932 while competing both at the Olympics and other meets in the United States. And his work and efforts would soon pay off. In 1933, it was agreed that the occupation of Haiti would finally end. And on August 15, 1934, almost 20 full years after they first came to the country, the final US troops left the island, ending the physical occupation of the country. This was a dream that Kator had imagined for decades, finally coming to reality. Now, though the physical occupation was over, there was still work to be done as there were still financial ties to the United States and even France at that time that would still carry on, unfortunately, to this day. In the years after the occupation though, and now being retired from the sport, Kator looked towards improving Haiti. He served as a head of the Haitian Tourist Bureau and continued to build relationships with Black Americans in the United States, even hosting the NAACP for a visit to the island. In 1949, Kator was appointed as mayor of the capital city, Port-au-Prince, and began to implement programs to transform the city and move it towards a better future. Kator's time as mayor, though, would be short-lived, as in July 1952, he passed away due to a heart attack at the young age of 51. Kator's life is a testament to the strength and resilience Black athletes dealt with in the 20th century across the entire world. Fleeing his country as just a child, returning home to a place now occupied by a foreign nation that already treated Blacks as barely citizens in their own home, and ascending to becoming one of the greatest athletes in the world. Silvio Kator could have chose to focus solely on his athletics, but he saw activism and speaking out about politics and injustices in his country as absolutely essential. Though he is oftentimes forgotten, Kator laid the foundation for names like Jesse Owens, Tommy Smith, John Carlos, Kip Kano, and others 
who shed light on oppression and push forward initiatives and programs to uplift their people from the challenges they experience. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the Instagram for more stories and athlete highlights. And we'll be back again next time with more track and field black history. Thanks for listening.